This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yo, this is Flip Gordon. CBB Chris Van Fleet. This is Liam O'Rourke, author of Crazy Like a Fox. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time! Oh, no. Oh, yeah! I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah! Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it! It's the best thing going today. And we are back, guys. It's been about a month. But uh, Top Rope Nation, episode 124, the 2019 Pro Wrestling Award Show on the air. My name's Ryan Drosty, comicbook.com, here with you tonight. It's a Monday evening, joined by both sidekicks tonight, Justin Joint, Kyle Ross. Justin, how is your holiday season going? Uh, I can't complain. Uh, I've been really enjoying my wife's new weighted blanket, so I'm sleeping nice. Two Great Minds Think Alike also got my wife a weighted blanket. She hasn't really used it much yet, though, but uh, I like Ooh. it. I actually like it more than I thought I would. So anything else new in the world of Justin Joint over the last... I think our last show was right before Survivor Series. It's been a while. Uh, not really. You know, you know. I guess I'm just ready to you know, dig our heels in and discuss why Ryan Johnson is the best writer-director to ever touch a Star Wars movie. Mm, I still haven't seen it. No spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Kyle Ross. Kyle Ross, what's going on in Cleveland, Ohio tonight? Oh, what's not going on? You got Monday Night Raw in the background? I do not, actually. I do have an eye on the Orange Bowl, but no, not Monday Night Raw. I'm saving Monday Night Raw for a later date. Probably a good decision. Um, I watched a little bit of it, but uh, not a whole I lot. Caught, I caught well. I caught a clip, of the, you know, this of the. Uh, well, I'm not afraid to spoil anything. I don't give a damn. Uh, the Samoa Joe Kevin Owens brawl with Seth Rollins and AOP that at least looked intriguing. Mm-hmm. Something to sink your teeth into, perhaps. Yes. Yes. So uh, you have a pretty good holiday. I did actually. I'm. Kind of glad it was over. It was very exhausting. It lasted several days. Well, this is the busiest time of the year for you at work. So it sure is. So yes, if I was if any of my family members are listening, I apologize if I was rude over the last several days. I didn't mean to be. <laughs> Guys, if you are joining us tonight in the chat room, we are streaming live on YouTube. We're trying an entirely different production. Uh, like I said, we took about a month off. We were looking to revamp things a little bit, add a little something fresh to the broadcast. I think we've done that, as you can see on the YouTube page right now. 
Um, there is no video of us, but there's a static image on the screen, but it's actually not so static, guys. If you uh, let us know, you're in the chat room, uh, your chats will pop up on the screen in the video stream. Also, if you subscribe to us here on YouTube, the minute you hit that subscribe button, there will be an alert that flashes on the screen as well with a pretty sweet animation. So I'll call you out if you subscribe. You'll get a call out live here on the broadcast. Also, if you look down at the description of the video, you'll see a link to Streamlabs, which is a website a lot of you might be familiar with. A lot of gamers use it, a lot of podcasters. It's a way for, if you enjoy what we're doing tonight, you want to tip us a dollar or something like that, tell us a good job, you know, support the show. Also, it'll trigger a different animation on the screen. You can also type in a custom message that will pop up there on the video feed. Makes it, you know, a little more exciting. We haven't done anything like this before, so hopefully you guys will like it. But uh, we thought with a with an award show like this where we look back at the year of 2019, it'd be fun to get you guys involved, get you in the chat room, give us your opinions on uh, all the categories we're going to go through. And uh, we also threw out some tweets earlier tonight on the Twitter page. Got a ton of engagement on that. Uh, most of the categories, last I look, about 200 votes, a little bit more in some of them. So uh, we've got a lot of you involved. We're going to call out the results for all of our categories as we go through them. Uh, but since it is the holiday season, before we get to the awards, guys, uh, I had kind of a fun topic tonight. I don't think I even told you guys we were going to talk about this, but... A lot of times we like to go back, get a little nostalgic on Top Rope Nation. And uh, one of the questions I had for you is, do you have a Christmas memory that stands out for you? Like a, a special Christmas gift you got that was pro wrestling related at some point in your upbringing that probably like the most exciting Christmas wrestling related gift you ever got? I'm going to throw it to Kyle first because I, I assume he has a lot of them. So Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, we actually you did mention this, so I put some thought into it. Um, I think I mentioned sometime uh, on the previous 140-something episodes of this telecast that I started watching wrestling late 86, November 86, and uh, obviously Christmas was not soon thereafter, and uh, I remember I got like a bunch of the original LJN figures that year, and that was pretty cool. Got the Got the ring, which was eventually stepped on years later by my dad but that's okay uh <laughs> then it was the year later that i found out i would be going to my first ever pro wrestling event a house show that took place at the now defunct richfield coliseum oh yeah nice you know speaking of ljn figures kyle not to promote another podcast but uh you're talking off air about Ryder and hawkins did you know they have a two-hour broadcast on their youtube channel looking at the entire history of ljn figures i did not know that yeah with conrad thompson you can check that wow. out saw i that saw while the... i was uh, killing time before the before the broadcast tonight yeah did you, i watched that toys that made us uh show i thought that was okay on netflix it talked about kind of um wrestling and its history with figures yeah it was a. Uh... It was a pretty good one. I liked it. I heard about them making that like a year ago, and I was super pumped for it. And watching it, like I can see where it would be a good intro for most people to like wrestling figures. I was hoping for like more of a deep dive. It was pretty just you know a pretty light overview of all the yeah. toy lines. But I figure it's not really made for the hardcore. So no, it wasn't. Um, I think my big takeaway is it was a real a real marriage of two seedy industries. Quite frankly, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Also, hey, by the way, shout out in the chat room. Gabe is listening tonight. Longtime supporter of the show. Patron of the show. Uh, Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. Gabe. Yeah, Gabe's a great supporter of the show. Another great way you can support our show, get bonus content. That content does not show up here on YouTube. The only way you can hear it is over on Patreon. Uh, those are the hardest of the hardcores of the Top Rope Nation supporters. They mean a whole lot to us. We do a lot of good bonus content for them. You get a free gift in the mail. Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. Uh, Justin Joint, a Christmas memory for you. Uh, actually, pretty similar to Kyle's. I remember, I'm going to guess... 89 or 90 um but we used to at my grandma's all of us cousins we would uh be lined up and trotted out to the living room where our parents had each set up our little santa presents you know that were already unwrapped and just out there in the open for us to look at and i walked out to the that blue ring uh, with a bunch of uh i don't know i'm gonna say at least half a dozen of uh, the ljn figures um nice. uh, surrounding it yeah so it was pretty awesome very awesome. Um, I guess for me, this was like a video gift. I think this was in, man, it must have been, I think it was Christmas 97. So it was around the time that the Coliseum video line was ending. I remember them promoting it in the WWF magazine, but Coliseum video was still a thing. So I thought it was kind of odd, but WWF video put out the box set. Uh, yes. Uh, was it the first 12 WrestleManias? 12 or 13 WrestleManias? I think it was the first 12. This is the first 13. Those are the first 13, yeah. So yeah. this would have been Christmas 97, probably. Yeah. Uh, it had, like, all the original artwork on it, but it wasn't the Coliseum videos. It was like, this had to be one of the very first WWF home video releases. And uh, I was pumped to get that. I remember that entire Christmas break home from school, just watching them one by one. I had seen most of them, but there was a couple of them that never showed up at my, my local Blockbuster. Uh, I think... You know, I think it was WrestleMania 6. I had never seen the entire WrestleMania Ooh. 6. I think I had seen the Warrior Hogan match at some point somehow, but I'd never seen the whole show. That was one that my closest blockbuster had never got. So I was pretty pumped about it. I think that's probably that one or uh, one year. Justin might remember this since we're from the same town. One of the malls here in town, uh, one of the stores had a Stone Cold Steve Austin life-size stand-up out in front of it it was in the middle of the mall and uh my grandma bought that for me she like went to the store saw it asked the owner nice. he said it's not for sale and uh, she said well how much i'll pay you. my son is a huge wrestling fan you know how much you want for it and uh she got him to sell it and i was shocked when my grandma pulled that out at her house so <laughs> yeah I, I, that one's that one really stands out for me too so uh shout out to uh my grandma. Uh, shout out to Tim Jensen also in the chat room here live. Tim Jensen says, Rise of Sky Skywalker was okay. I see a lot of a lot of critiques of it on Twitter. Some other people that liked it a lot. I'm, I'm curious, but uh, maybe I'll see it in the next couple of days. We shall see. Uh, by the way, so I got that same box set in 97. And how cheap were those tapes made, man? They were definitely a lot lighter than the Coliseum yeah, the, videos. Like yeah, in weight, the, yeah. I, uh, I had a TV VCR combo that over time killed like three different one of those tapes from rewinding. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean those those were the cheapest made tapes. And remember the WrestleMania 11 version that came with it? It was like because I think there was like some sort of pay per view problem originally with the show, and the version we got was like 
hosted by Roddy Piper. I don't actually remember that. I'd have to pull oh, out yeah. the tape and see. Yeah, yeah, the the, the version that was the ver- you got with the box set, and like Piper was like really at his worst with the jokes. And made it up. He was like at this podium or something like that. It was very odd. Yeah, that one wasn't one I, I watched too often, so I must have just blocked that out of my memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, follow us on Twitter, at Top Rope Nation. I know I still have it. I'll dig it out of storage tonight and post a picture up on the Twitter page. But I, uh, I have it right not too far behind me in the closet, actually, still, with three three destroyed tapes. Shows, it shows how far we've come. Now, you guys, you younger fans, you don't know how it was, man. I, I hate to sound like an old guy, but man, to get 13 WrestleManias in one piece like that was amazing back then. And it was pretty well priced. Like, I would dare I say it was underpriced, not something you often say. It was with the World the Wrestling Coliseum Federation. videos were like $40 or something like that. Yeah. And I remember it, this was like. I don't know. It was like fifty bucks or sixty bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was really cheap. Yeah, it was a good deal. It was a good deal. Yeah. They they put out one a couple years after that that had like the scratch WWF attitude logo on it. Um, but this is the one. This one had, if I remember right, it had like the WrestleMania twelve kind of style logo on it, uh, like the Hollywood looking one. So yes, yes, yeah. it did. So, anyways. Got that out of the way. I just thought that would be a good discussion before we jumped into the news and the uh, main topic tonight. But of course, before we get to that, got to get the plugs out of the way. Uh, so again, if you're a regular listener of Top Rope Nation, we thank you. Sorry about the hiatus. We're back here strong tonight. Uh, if you are listening to the podcast feed, and this will still go out to the podcast feeds, even though we are producing it live on YouTube now moving forward, uh, leave us a review. Leave us that five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts. You can do the same at Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play, pretty much wherever podcasts are found. You can also find the archive. You can find links to our merchandise where you can support the show, links to the Patreon page over at TopRopeNation.com. You can find all the info on the history of the show, a little bit of short bios on all three of us if you want to check that out. And uh, again, if you're watching us live here on YouTube tonight, hit that subscribe button. We're looking to uh, jump the subscriptions tonight as we produce this show live and do our 2019 Pro Wrestling Awards. Uh, before we get to that, though, guys, usually we do a little in the news segment. Now, we would we would have a ton to cover if we tried to hit up every news story that's happened since we last did a show. Uh, so we thought we'd kind of condense this tonight into uh, basically story of the year like what was the biggest news story of the year in pro wrestling i'm pretty sure we're all gonna agree on this one uh but kyle what was your thought maybe i should go last okay justin what do you think was the biggest story of the year? because if you think we're all gonna say the same thing i kind of wanted to expound on it and take it in a direction where i will poop in everyone's soup (laughs) all right what do you think justin Biggest story of the year in wrestling. Hmm. Well, I know there's something obvious that you guys have thought of that I'm not thinking of. I mean, the first thing I thought of isn't really new news, but just the continued, uh, uh, what's the word, Uh, dirtiness of the Saudi Arabia adventures of WWE. But I know that's not it. Um, I guess maybe the return of CM Punk, I guess. Oh, that's a big one. I'm I'm thinking broader. I'm th- I'm just thinking the launch of AEW. 
would have to be for me the biggest news story of the year. Maybe you weren't thinking of that in, in terms of a well, news story, but I guess I mean just the opening of a little indie company doesn't do much for me. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Jeez. Yeah, I, I mean, I have to, I have to go with AEW. It's, it's changed the business um, in a way that uh, the business needed. I do think AEW TV in the last few weeks has been less than stellar. I think um, NXT. It's pretty much dominated the Wednesday Night Wars in terms of uh, the product they're presenting, the matches they're presenting. That's it's not to say AEW's bad or anything. I just feel like the excitement has died down a little bit. I'm uh, looking forward to the build to AEW Revolution uh, starting this week and to see what they do there, see what they do with the resetting of the rankings and everything. <laughs> in our chat room, Tim Jensen says, uh, Seth Rollins versus Twitter is his biggest story of the year. Kyle... What were you going to say? Go ahead and uh, let my soup have it here. Okay, so it was, by the way, January 1st of this year that AEW was announced. It was a very big story. And, you know, I think back a couple months. We were all gearing up for this fall season. Not only was this second national company debuting on TNT, but you had WWE with unprecedented television deals. One of them taking them to network TV two hours live on Fox every Friday night. And Fox, I cannot say this enough, did such a tremendous job promoting WWE's arrival. Mm -hmm. And there was all this talk from Meltzer, from everybody, that are, are we on the verge of a, the next boom period in wrestling? Well... No, we're not. No. Uh, it was. It is definitely. And, and you know, I, I going into the shows, thinking to myself, you know, what would I have said if there was a Top Rope Nation episode on December thirtieth of nineteen ninety five? You know, three months into the original Monday Night Wars, and I don't know. You know, it was a long time ago, but man, it, it's a lot more bust than boom quite frankly, as I sit here on December 30th, 2019. And there's a real sobering reality in wrestling right now that I don't think a lot of people want to admit. People within the wrestling bubble do not have a goddamn clue how to grow their audience at all and how to reach people who are potentially interested in wrestling but are not hardcore fans um, maybe they're Laps fans, maybe they're just potentially new fans that discovered it through Fox's promotion or TNT's promotion of AEW. They have zero, and I want to stress the word zero, clue how to appeal to those people and the numbers tell the story. People want to watch wrestling. They really do. But it was a matter, not of months, but of weeks before we were just back to these baseline numbers. That's true. I mean, the SmackDown numbers just fell off a cliff. You look at that, uh, the first week. Now, I know it wasn't your ordinary show. It was the debut. They had some legends back for the show and everything. But, man, the show is just, yeah, like I said, it's really fallen uh, since that week. So it shows, like you said, Kyle, there there is that curiosity factor. And uh, they're, they're just not doing a good job drawing them Can't back in for the long haul at all. The shows are not easy to consume for people who are not hardcore fans. 
And that's a problem. It is it is the biggest problem with TV wrestling in 2019 that the way the shows are written, either they expect you to know what the hell's going on or that you're going to do the work on your own to figure it out. Like you're going to go online and mm-hmm. look stuff up. Yeah. Why should people do that? People don't th- – if you're going to grow this audience, you have to understand that the people you grow with are people who don't want to do that. They just want to watch wrestling for two to three hours a week. And when the show's over, maybe they won't think about it the rest of the week. If the show's good, maybe they'll be like, oh, you know what? I really had a fun time watching wrestling tonight. But they're not going to go online and, and, and do all this research. And look, the wrestling bubble is larger than it's ever been. But the casual audience of wrestling has never been smaller. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, that SmackDown thing that you just referenced, Ryan, it was the most galling of all, how quickly that dropped. Yeah. I mean, it was just back to what they were doing on USA. And again, I cannot repeat the tremendous level of promotion Fox did for them. Unprecedented promotion. And the WWE just wasted it. No major angles. Yeah. I mean, like, if you want the numbers and how SmackDown is done, uh, they've pretty much been hovering around like 2.3 million, 2.4 million viewers each and every week lately. Um, that debut episode back on October 4th did 3.88 million. So they basically lost like a million and a half viewers since then. And it, that's that's an, that's a million and a half out of 3.8 million. So <laughs> it's, it's remarkable. Yeah, they haven't... And- no, go ahead. Sorry. I'm oh, sorry. I'm just saying, like you said, they haven't been able to uh, hook those people. It is the hardest of the hardcores. I think we've kind of hit a baseline where it's not going to drop too much more. We've kind of talked about that on the show in the past. Um, and, yeah, the, it's true. The uh, the more general audience, I've never seen like less interest among the general public in wrestling. I mean, you would think, based on all the money they're making on the TV deals and everything that this is a, it's a product that's hot, but I mean, it's, it's only hot among the hardcores. And I think you made a great point, Kyle, when you said that people want to consume two to three hours of wrestling a week. That's a key point because it's so saturated. Now you add an AEW to the mix, you add an NXT to the mix. There's no way anyone, especially if you have a family or kids can possibly consume that much wrestling you know like i i cover wrestling for comicbook.com and it's virtually impossible even though i'm getting paid to do it it's virtually impossible for me to watch all that content nor do i want to (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and you know let's not let a aw off the hook ryan because you talked about this a couple moments ago that the their tv is not where it needs to be either for a promotion that came out and fancied itself as quote paradigm shifting there, there's been no paradigm shifted whatsoever. I think the show is way too close uh, to how WWE puts together a television show. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they remember their storylines better than WWE does. I mean, I don't think there's been a promotion in the history of this. In- well, I shouldn't say WCW was by far the worst at remembering storylines near the end. But, you know, WCW or WWE this year was, was terrible at how they would just start storylines and just drop them willy nilly. So maybe AEW is better in that regard. But again, the issue is stars. I talked about, you know, it kind of mirrors what's going on with the fan base. The wrestling bubble's never been larger, mm-hmm. but the casual audience has never been smaller. There's probably never been a time in wrestling there were, where there were more talented performers in the industry. 
But yeah. there's never also been a time where there's so few stars. You know, I, I'm going to push back a little bit on a question I know you've got for us. One of our categories is rising star in the industry. Well, spoiler alert, I'm not voting. Because that question presupposes there are any stars in wrestling right now. Mm. Or that one of these companies <laughs> is capable of making a new one. I was wondering where you're going with that take. Uh, Justin, you got anything to add to this conversation? How do you feel about the amount of wrestling that's out there today? I mean, for me personally, it's too much. And I, I, it's, it made me think of a comment. I can't remember if it was Vince or Triple H made uh, a while ago where they're talking about how, you know, their competition is in other wrestling shows. It's it's everything else that people are going to watch. And that's 100% true. And, I mean, you know, we've got these streaming wars popping up and there is so much good television out there. You know, Netflix is pumping out, you know, Oscar-worthy Oscar worthy movies. You know, they've had three of them just in the past month. And, and so that, I mean, that kind of stuff has taken my eyeballs off quite a bit. When, you know, you add that in with the oversaturation and just the fact that, you know, especially Raw and SmackDown have just been bad for a long time with no clear vision of or clear storytelling. Mm -hmm. That is a great point by Justin, because I, I didn't want to kind of let WWE off the hook with the oversaturation issue. Make no mistake about it. There's an oversaturation issue in wrestling. But <laughs> if the show was the shows were good, that would be less of an issue. Because nobody doesn't like like too much of a good... I mean, there is an expression that can be too much of a good thing. But let's not sugarcoat this one iota, folks. Creatively, the WWE is about, is about as poor as it's been ever this year. The, I, I think post-WrestleMania has been just nothing short of atrocious mm -hmm. as far as Raw and SmackDown go. I got some thoughts from the chat room here I wanted to get to. Gabe said, you guys got to get Kyle a hot take sounder. He said, that being said, I agree. I haven't actually watched a full episode of wrestling in months. I just catch pay-per-views and takeovers, get the recaps from podcasts such as ours. Thank you, Gabe. And uh, Tim says, same for him. Uh, those guys also chimed in on the wrestling uh, gifts. I didn't get to them in time. I wanted to, to call those out, too. Uh, Gabe said he got WrestleMania 2000 as a kid and the N64. That was one of his favorite gifts. And uh, I think this is your buddy Chad Kyle said uh, I, he rewound one of Kyle's WrestleMania box set tapes, and it came off the spool. He had to pay like $5 to get it back on. All right, I'm not – look, I know you're coming in town, Chad, recently. I'm not giving you your $5, okay? <laughs> I don't give it – thank you. That was very nice that you did that. You're not getting your $5. What kind of cheap move is Of all the cheap, <laughs> low-down moves I have ever uh. heard by someone contributing to a podcast, trying to get sympathy for $5 has to be the absolute nadir. And that's what that was. By the way, if you guys are participating in the chat room like a few of you are, uh, I had a setting wrong. Like I said, this is the first time – We've been doing this interactive chat where it pops up in the video stream. Uh, apparently, I had it set for the, the words to go off after 15 seconds. I just changed that to keep them on there permanently until they scroll through the top. So uh, if, you, if you add in a chat now, they will actually stay on the screen and not disappear. But uh, thanks for everyone for participating. Uh, hopefully, you will. Tim says, Kyle, you need to buy that guy a beer at least. So, Chad, maybe we'll get a beer from you freaking Let me tell you, if any of you knew this guy, this guy's one of the, I mean, I'll tell you what, he's the last of the big spenders, this guy. 
That's true. Well, I haven't what? seen him pop up on our Patreon page, Chad. Yep. Patreon.com yeah. slash Top Rope Nation. I'll say, well, what did Gorilla Monsoon used to call Bobby in deep pockets when they would do the WrestleManias in Trump Plaza? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, just to get back to this um, debate as far as television in wrestling, and it's not even just the television. Like, these – somebody needs to be brought in with new ideas because I, I believe television – uh, needs to be just reimagined in wrestling. The the way they're doing it, you know, Meltzer had a bit of a discussion that uh, I think something that hurts a he felt that it hurts AEW actually that they don't have like the monthly pay per views. So sometimes they can get lost because there's nothing really to build to. And he suggested you maybe once a month, you know, kind of having he called them destination shows for Dynamite, where you kind of just built to a, you know, one of the TV shows per month was maybe a little bigger than the others. But the, the irony is WWE has these monthly pay-per-views they build to, and those aren't very good either. Yeah. Like WWE is just a promotion where you know, some stuff happens, and a couple weeks later, it largely didn't matter. Although, Kyle, you went to one of those monthly pay-per-views and didn't receive a whole lot of promotion. Fastlane ended up being one of the best pay-per-views of the year, so you never know. Where are you going to well, get with those shows? Yeah. What does that say? <laughs> What's that say, though? Yeah. Okay, that Fastlane 2019. I, I, you're right. We had that discussion, the three of us, a few weeks ago. What was the best main roster? Um, I know Triple H doesn't like those words, main roster, but we'll just use them for argument's sake here. What was the best main roster WWE pay-per-view of the year? And we were like thinking Fastlane. What does that say about 2019's pay-per-view offerings? Absolutely. Yep. All right, so should we transition into the topic of the week, the main topic for all you joining us live and on demand here on YouTube? By the way, if you're not already subscribed on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, see the animation that'll pop up in the video feed. Love for you to see that. And uh, here we go. The best of 2019. Let's see, what uh, order order should we do this? I think we're going to start off with promotion of the year. Now, I got to say... With promotion of the year, got a little pushback on the poll I had out there on Twitter because, yes, I did include WWE and NXT separately. Yes, guys, I am aware that NXT is owned by WWE. But I separated them because they are, other than when they were doing the invasions and stuff, they they do feel like independent products. They are vastly different you know if you watch nxt television and raw and smackdown um so we did we did have those as separate entities here on the poll and uh, if i take a look at how those of you that follow us on twitter at top rope nation voted let's take a look <laughs> i love here. that people thought you might not know wwe owns would, nxt i got more than one person that responded saying that, by the way. I just what a did, bunch I didn't of even freaking beauties. What respond. an absolute bunch of freaking beauties. God God bless y'all out there. God bless Brian the actually internet. doesn't know, by the way. <laughs> News to me. He told me the other day. He, he he actually secretly texted me last week. He's like, dude, WWE should buy NXT. It'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the talent influx? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, last check. 264 votes on this question. 264 Votes. We had uh, 18% say WWE, 28% say AEW, 8% say New Japan Pro Wrestling, 44% NXT. So NXT won this one going away. Uh, would you guys, if you're looking at those four, which I thought were you know, probably the top four, would you guys agree? Would you agree with that, Justin? Yes. Yes, I would. I, I, 
I mean, for me, wrestling Nirvana for shit, I don't know, the past three years or so have been NXT takeovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and nothing has topped that. Um, and, you know, and it's going to be kind of hard for AEW, just for me and how I consume this stuff, to surpass them um, when I'm not really in the mood to pay 50 bucks for their specials. Yeah, that that is a tough point. I, I know they're only once a quarter, but uh, the price tag does in, in an era where you can get all the content you want for ten bucks. It's it is pretty tough. And you know, Ring of Honor was doing the same thing, although actually a little bit cheaper before them. And we'd often complain on this podcast about their pricing too. Uh, what do you think, Kyle, on promotion of the year? This is really hard. Uh, should not be if we're splitting WWE up into main roster NXT obviously it should not be the main roster mm. you, you know you, you would want to go AEW but man I it feels like they're in the having the same issue with the WWE that WWE has with their TV where it's just you know the more of it they have the colder the promotion gets and with both NXT and New Japan I think they're the most consistent but I think they also both have the lowest ceilings possible mm. And it also feels like with both New Japan and NXT, I liked them less this year than in past years. Yes. I actually looked back at the Observer Awards, and uh, every single year since 2012, New Japan has won promotion of the year. I think this will be the first year that it might not. Although they've had a ton of really good matches, as we're going to talk about later. So who knows? But it, it definitely doesn't have the buzz here in North America that it did when you know, like the elite guys were over there. Yeah, or just—I mean, I don't know. You, you do get the sense that the promotion peaked, and again, it goes back to something I said. I, I just think that while it's a very consistent product um, and it does the best at producing high-end matches, you always get the feeling that we talk about ceilings of these promotions, growing your audience. The, the, the irony. Again, not to repeat myself, but I will with NXT New Japan is I feel that their ceilings are the lowest. Like I think a the potential for AEW and obviously Raw and SmackDown is far greater than what NXT could do. Or and, and I mean New Japan right now, obviously with um, access, you know, giving them the boot, you know, they've got some issues there. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't feel like this is an easy answer because i don't want to give like i just feel like yeah you know all right well you know new japan's winning every year whatever but and nxt has a lot of issues a lot of issues that are pretty similar to raw and smackdown bloated roster um you know i i don't think the storytelling has been as great as it used to be i don't know if I was a man, I would like to just pick some random independent MLW. MLW is good. It's his, but I, I don't know if I would go that either. I, and, you know, like NW Power, again, that's like a low ceiling thing. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll just go with New Japan because... It it's pro you know it doesn't have the glare some of the glaring issues that the other ones do so I'm gonna go with New Japan okay all right 
So carrying it through several years in a row, if uh, the observer votes the way that, and the readers of the observer vote the way Kyle does, but uh, well, you know those those cowards are always afraid to admit that the WWE had a great promotion in the late '80s, and they would just keep going Jim Crockett promotions. <laughs> they were all on the take back then too. <laughs> I'll never understand how in the Observer Awards back then they had Gorilla Monsoon as the worst announcer of the year. Maybe it's just a nostalgia thing yeah. with me being a kid at the yeah. time, but I feel like that's insane. Meltzer hated Gorilla Monsoon. If you read some, um, I was just listening to the guys on Between the Sheets. They they did a recap. And they they were like kind of a caster. Jesus, Meltzer's killing. It was Survivor Series '91. Mm, like Meltzer okay. was just killing Gorilla. Um, to the point I tried to rewatch the show and then I like fell asleep and forgot to do it. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I always enjoyed Gorilla, particularly whether it was with Heenan or Ventura. On that note, Chad just chimed in. Uh, number one issue wrong with AEW is the announcing. I would tend to agree. I think Tony Schiavone needs a much louder voice on that broadcast. Um, I think, <laughs> Kyle, you've made your thoughts known on this podcast. On yeah, that. and I think we know who maybe needs to, you know, turn it down a, a few. Um, let's see. Gabe said, AEW hasn't grabbed me yet. There's been awesome stuff, but they haven't put together a solid product top to bottom. They got to get that women's division sorted out, and they need to build more stars. I agree. They've only had a couple stories that have really got me invested. You know, I am a fan of AEW. It's exciting because it's new, but long term, yeah, their storytelling really needs to pick up a lot. And they need to stop of, focusing on the Dark Order. Go ahead, Kyle. Yes, outside of Cody's stuff, the storytelling is not awesome. You no, know, I mean, it's surprising Meltzer, like how poorly they've used Kenny Omega. For example. yes, I mean that's something Meltzer has really been banging his fist over. Um, the last couple weeks. And then, you know, there's little stuff too. You know, there was a match. If you go back and check our archives, remember when private party beat young bucks? Like I loved that. match. Oh yeah. Match the moment. Awesome. It opened the show. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, I remember having a discussion actually with Chad who's listening right now. Okay. That he's like, well, private party's got to win the tournament right now. If they're going to beat the box. Cause you know, Meltzer, I think was questioning that decision. He had listened to wrestling observer radio and he was kind of, you know, representing Meltzer's voice in a little debate we were having. And I was like, well, yeah, I assume if they're if they're going to put private party over the box, private party's going to win the tournament. Well, they didn't. And I think AEW's tag division suffers from the exact same issues WWE's does with 50-50. Yeah. And kind of just try to serve all the masters. And, and you know, not, you, rather than make put over one team, they're trying to not hurt any team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that booking. it shows up in their records too. When the guys come out to the ring, you notice the 50 50 effect right there, which they are resetting yeah, from way, this week. Yeah, I think they should just do away with it because, like, if you notice, like, these guys come off records and no one has a good record ever. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're a new viewer and you're like, oh, here's this guy who's like one in five or this guy who's three and three, I'm like, who are these freaking jabronis? Yeah. Uh, one in five? <laughs> Tim Tim notes in the in the live chat here. He says building stars takes time. They've only been on TV for three months. That's true. That is true. They haven't they haven't built a lot of compelling stories in those three months though. Sounds like Tony Khan's burner account to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, in, in all seriousness, I, I think Ryan, you kind of just touched on this with AEW. It, it's kind of all over the map. I feel their show lacks kind of a singular cohesive focus. And if you're somebody who, you know, kind of has your finger on the pulse of what's going on behind the scenes of that company, 
that makes sense because you have, you know, again, all the EVPs kind of doing their own thing. Yeah. And, and so they're, I feel they really kind of need to let one person book the promotion rather than, you know, have Moxley do his own angles, Cody do his own angles, Bucks do his own, their own angles, Kenny do his own angles. I, I think they need to bring in a booker. Yeah. I'm interested to see if that becomes a more glaring issue as we hit 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Chad noted that he meant NXT announcing is really bad, which is a whole different story. <laughs> well, I mean, yes, that's that is accurate. That that is yes. I know who's getting my vote for worst announcer of the year. <laughs> oh, we can't say that. We can't say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, so if, if we're looking at this promotion of the year, though, I got to go NXT as, as a separate, it's a separate brand, as Tim noted, from WWE, and uh, yeah, I, I think of it as a separate entity. It's it's owned by the same group, yes, but uh, it is kind of its own animal. So let's move on to Rising Star. So there's a lot of different people you could pick for the best Rising Star of 2019. This doesn't necessarily mean that these people are new to wrestling that they're rookies because most of these people are not that we're going to discuss it just means that like they've really started to make a name for themselves here in 2019 all right so our poll last i look was incredibly close uh it's got 206 votes we've got keith lee on top with 35 percent of the vote 35.4 and then rhea ripley is at 33.5 so 0.9 behind, 0.9 percent behind out of 206 votes. We got MJF at 21.8 percent, and then Darby Allen at 9 percent. So for me, I love Keith Lee. You know, I've known Keith Lee was a big time worker, a big time dude. Obviously, a guy that's going to be a big star in wrestling. He's really come on in the, about the last month, month and a half in NXT uh, on their television. That Survivor show. Series did wonders for him oh yeah but i gotta say for me though it's no contest it has to be rhea ripley i i I really don't even think it's close justin i agree um she's kind of like for me the the women's version of velveteen dream as far as age and uh seemingly natural talent goes um i would really be okay with all four of these uh i think if you want to talk about going from obscurity to stardom i I think darby allen is certainly up there Mm. Uh, and the same could almost be made for mjf who is gonna be uh a star i mean i got i'm kind of terrified to say that right now with kyle's rant earlier um he's gonna be a good wrestler (laughs) uh but yeah i'd go uh rhea ripley she feels like especially considering uh how much smaller you know there, it, the women's division is. She just even has more of a chance going forward of not getting lost in the shuffle. Yeah, yeah. Kyle. So Rhea Ripley undoubtedly is the first, I'll call it success story of NXT in the USA era. They they did a really good job building up to her title win over Shayna Baszler. Really, really good job. Um. I'll give her, you know, just kind of breaking this down among the four. Again, I kind of reject the idea of anyone becoming a star uh, within WWE. And just to illustrate that, take a look at Keith Lee. Mm. Um, Keith Lee, I thought, had a hot hand. And it didn't take long for him just to kind of cool off. I I thought they made 
a wrong decision by him not winning that three-way and going on to challenge Adam Cole. I I agree. I uh, In fact, the night of that three-way, I went out with a, a buddy of mine the night of that three-way. I know how that sounds. Oh, <laughs> hey, oh. <laughs> I went- your wife's not listening this time anymore after, <laughs> after those practice sessions on the new software, hopefully. This yeah. really is a new era for Top Rope Nation. Uh, now I went out with a buddy of mine who's a, a new listener of the show, Joe, and we were talking about this out at the bar that night, and... Um, I think it was the night they announced the match, actually. And he said, who do you think is going to win? And I said, you know, it seems like Balor is, is the obvious choice. But, man, I really think they should go with Keith Lee. Just because you got to capitalize on that momentum. So, yeah, I would agree, Kyle. Yeah, so so because of that, I, I would put Ripley above Keith Lee. Because she's on a proper trajectory still. Whether she'll, I mean, what a star means again in 2019, 2020, I don't know. But, um, you know, again, I, I think it's absolutely correct to call her the first true success of NXT on the USC era. Uh, MJF, everything about him screams great main event heel. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, he's really young. He needs to make sure he does not, you know, develop in kind of a one-trick pony. You know, hopefully as time goes on, he gets a little more versatile. Um, he's, you know, I mean, he's not a great worker by any means in the ring. You know, hopefully he does that. But um, I, I think in terms of ceilings among the four that we're talking about, MJFs would be the highest for me. Yeah. I don't know, because I, I don't know if I can see MJF as the face of AEW, but I can definitely see like Ripley as the face of the women's division, like in the Becky yeah. Lynch role well, in, on the main I, roster. No, you. I mean, well, MJF, is because he's a natural heel, you don't build your promotion around him, but I can see him being the top heel in a promotion. Do you think he'll be a top baby face at some point, or do you think everyone's always going to hate him? I mean, yeah. I mean, well, here's the thing. <laughs> If he's that great of a baby face, or pardon me, great of a heel, what do all the great heels eventually do? They turn baby face because the crowd, you know, kind of respects them. And then the story is, can they do the baby face thing? You look at someone like The Rock, who was so awesome as a heel, and then he pivoted to baby face and he was great as a baby face too. Do yes. you think MJF can do it? That'll be. I mean, that's. Be I mean, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, you can't really even forecast that. I mean, yeah. I, I do when I see him come out he you know again i talk about this industry being bereft of stars he's someone who does carry himself as a star Mm. and does come across when i watch as someone who's important and someone i want to watch regularly and look forward uh, to having that person be on the television and look forward to what they're doing next yeah agreed all right, moving on. Here we go. Best theme music. Now, this is something I talk with a few people about here and there. I am a big theme music geek, so I wanted to throw this out there. Now, there is a ton of options you could go with here. Uh, and I do think WWE's main roster theme music is kind of taking a nosedive. Bring back Jim Johnston, man. Got to bring <laughs> just, him back. Bring back anybody. You got to sack this CFO. <laughs> I mean, just like that well, CFO's gone, so bad. though. CFL's oh. gone, I believe. So I think they've kind of gone downhill since they've been gone. But no, I, I think I do I do think there's a lot of good music out there. AEW has a couple really good bangers, but uh 
when I threw it out to Twitter, you can only have like four options. So I had a lot of people respond with, you know, other options that they would have gone with. And I agreed with them. I told them, yeah, if I had five or six options, they for sure would have been on there. But um, out of the ones that I threw out there, and this one got a lot of votes. As of last check, 236 votes. And it's pretty close, but running in first place is Bray Wyatt's The Fiend theme song, the new one, 34% of the vote. Closely followed by Tommaso Ciampa with 27%. Uh, then we've got Chris oh. Jericho at 24%. And Cody at 13%. Any thoughts, guys? Uh, Justin? Uh, I agree that it's The Fiend, uh, even though it's kind of you know more of a remix than something new. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, there, there are some AEW ones that I know are slipping my mind that I enjoy. Like, uh, LAX has a pretty good one. Um, but yeah, and I can't even think of Champa's right now. I'll have to yeah, go I'm and listen to it. I'm kind of shocked it. that that's in that high. I think that's kind of generic to be honest with you. Darby Allens is one in AEW that I actually like. Champa's is actually really good. I think I could play it in the background here. WWE might apply for like a copyright block if I do. You guys wouldn't be able to hear it, but I can play it on my end. Maybe I'll add it to the podcast version. But I don't know. I, I hear. It. I, I never really think it's like that awesome. Oh man, I don't know, man. I think it's good, but yeah, that that came in at uh, what I say second place. Some of the others thrown out there in the uh, comments. Someone said Matt Riddles. I think his theme sucks. I'm going to be honest. With I, you. I do not like his theme. <laughs> I think it's awful. I think that theme is really bad. I think it's you know it, it's kind of like the dude where's my car. <laughs> of stoner themes in that it's like yes. written, it's like it's what someone who thinks what a stoner would like but it's obviously that person is like never like even come close to a bong in their life <laughs> yes how fucking shitty was dude where's my car what a horrible uh, movie i was i was offended by that film <laughs> um yeah who else do we have okay so kyle kyle and also, ryan and I, also i've been i've also been stoned looking for my car and it's not funny at all by the way so <laughs> Kyle Ryan chimed in, big time supporter of the show. He said, there's only two theme songs that I've been able to work out to. One's The Miz. The other, in his official vote, is much better when you listen to the full version. It's actually a song and not just a few lyrics thrown together and repeated on the way to the ring, and that's Baron Corbin's. Sung by Baron Corbin, by the way. Is it? Yes. What? Yep. The multi-talented Baron Corbin. Jeez, he really is the king. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Imagine thinking Jay White was better than Baron Corbin. <laughs> there we go. I'd love Justin Joy with all my goddamn heart and soul. Um, we had uh, Derek Chappelle, friend of the show, been on here a few times. He said uh, Undisputed Era, which I agree. I would have had Undisputed Era on there if I had more than four choices for yeah. sure. That, um, that hits all like that hits all the late 90s notes. You know, like it very much reminds me of the NWO theme. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then we had Alistair Black, and I do like Alistair That's Black a, good one. a lot, too. Yeah, that would be one. Yeah. I think if I had two more options, I would have put Undisputed Eras and Alistair Blacks on there. Notice the uh, mostly a lack of main roster themes there. Um, well, I mean, we all talked about The Fiend, and you know, I'll Fiend say the one is thing. The best, though. I do agree. I think The Fiend is the best one. That would be my vote. Yeah, I mean, and you know, it, it says something too about the guy staying over because Lord knows when the bell rings. Uh, my interest in the fiend uh, sort of wanes, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And and one other comment, you, know, you mentioned Derek uh, Chivin, and I'll tell you whose theme song is not the best. And that's Jameis Winston's theme song. Oh. Okay. 
I'm just going to not even say anything at this point because I don't have a leg to stand on. But <laughs> my quarterback situation for my favorite team is it is it's a little better, but not much better. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they freaking they switched right, switched right to that red zone channel yesterday. Jameis throwing a pick six to walk off the game. By God, <laughs> that's Jameis Winston's music. Um, in the chat room. Couple votes for the fiend as well. Alistair Black gets a, gets a shout out on Disputed Era. All those are great choices. I agree. I think my vote though is the fiend. Uh, what did you guys say for your vote for theme of the year? Um, yeah, I guess I didn't realize we were talking about all themes. I thought it was just newer ones, but I would I definitely go Alistair Black. Okay. Oh, uh, and Sam, I... Sammy Zane too. Okay, Kyle. Well, I mean, does it get any better than Judas by Fozzie? It is a great one. <laughs> I think Cody's is really good too. I was surprised Cody's only got like nine percent of the vote. I think his is pretty dang good. Um, okay, this is where it's going to start getting a little bit difficult. We got four more awards. We got the men's, the women's wrestler of the year. Those are going to be at the end. We got show of the year and match of the year. So let's start off with show of the year. So let me look up on the Twitter account and what I put out there as options. So I know Wrestle Kingdom 13 was an option. And uh, I was actually a little surprised that maybe we just don't have a lot of New Japan watchers following us on the Twitter page mm. because uh, not a lot of votes for Wrestle Kingdom 13. I, I wasn't as high on that either. Well, compared to these other ones, I also wouldn't have voted for it, but it did get a lot of praise. We've got 143 votes in as of right now. And uh, in first place is NXT TakeOver New York with 37% of the vote. Second place, AEW Double or Nothing with 30% of the vote. TakeOver 25 from June with 20% of the vote. And then Wrestle Kingdom 13 with 11%. So those are the four I put out there on the poll. Would you guys have considered any others in your top four? Any uh, Anything you guys want to throw out there? Well, I mean, in WWE's top 25 matches of the year there was two matches from extreme rules so that should probably be in there <laughs> i mean i think it's money in the bank and and fast lane for me as as the two best main roster pay-per-views but there wasn't not a lot royal of competition <sighs> yeah i don't not nah, royal rumble's not i thought those two were be- both better than royal rumble yeah, Royal Rumble, I didn't think was that good. Ryan Drosty, if I remember, was absolutely apoplectic at the end of that show. <laughs> Check out the post-show the... in the archives. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, you, you were even worse before we started the show. I think we had to talk you off the ledge. I think you were ready to, like, <laughs> demand WWE be shut down for good. There's still a glass shattered against my wall over in the corner of my living room from that night. Just could not handle it. No, it was... Uh, like... I, didn't, I didn't think it was that great. Like, yeah, it did have a couple... Cool moments. The rumbles weren't good. No, no, they weren't. And then you had, yeah, and then Brian and AJ weren't well, didn't have a really particularly great match. You know, I, um, Brock and Finn was pretty good. I, I, I didn't think it was better than you know Brock Brian or Brock AJ. Um, you know what the problem is with these shows? They're all too effing long. And it's hard just to remember them just because there's so much product out there. Like me and Justin had this conversation over the weekend when we went out when we were talking about match of the year. And it's like just there's been honestly in match of the year. We'll get to that in a second. There's been so many great matches. It's hard to keep them straight. But here there's just so many pay-per-views in general. It's it's hard to keep them all straight. And well, nothing really stands out too much other than I think the ones that I mentioned. Yeah. And, th- and that's the issue. Nothing stands out. It's one thing. It's like, oh, my God. It's like, is it this or this? And you're like wrestling with these three shows. But if. 
stuff doesn't jump into your mind, then it shouldn't probably be your show or match of the year. Like, to me, like, it's never like, oh, wow, like, you make this, like, deep discovery or anything, like, months after the fact. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, there's examples of that. But, you know, like, the great shows, the great matches, they have the buzz in the moment. Yeah. And for me, it's AEW's Double or Nothing. Okay, that's what Tim said in our chat, so he's on the same page as you. Uh, Justin. Uh, show of the year. For me, I think it's a tie. I enjoyed uh, season two of both Fleabag and Mindhunter. <laughs> I thought were both superb. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to go with My Love, which is NXT, so uh, TakeOver New York. I thought that, that was uh, extremely entertaining uh, start to stop. Mm-hmm. I would also go with Takeover New York. I think uh, you look at that card top to bottom. Now I did I did enjoy Double or Nothing quite a bit. I'll probably be talking about that one here in just a minute. But uh, you look at the card top to bottom. You had War Raiders and uh, Black and Ricochet opening the show. It was a four and a half star match in the Observer. You had Velveteen yeah. Dream and Matt Riddle, which was an awesome match. Another four and a half star match. You had Walter and Pete Dunn, four and three quarters in the Observer. Shayna uh, against Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, and Kyrie Sane. The four-way, three and three quarters. Not as good as the the first three. But then you also had Gargano and Adam Cole. Yeah. Two out of three falls match. Five and a half stars in the rest I of mean, the I, Now, I wouldn't look, give it five and a half stars. No, I would not. But you look at this card top to bottom. Man, four of those matches were incredibly good. I, I have to make the show. So, I, I don't know. Like, for me, I felt I was lower on every takeover than everyone else was. And that sort of, like, clouded my perception of all of them this year. Like, th this was the year, like, you know, I kind of mentioned it with, with, you know, when we were talking about promotional year. I just felt like I was a little bit, like, people were just, like, throwing these star ratings. I mean, give, us that, give me a fucking break, five and a half stars. Stop that. You would agree that was the best of their series, though, right? I mean, during SummerSlam weekend with uh, TakeOver Toronto, we ranted on our Patreon extra yes. show oh, about that oh, one. It yeah, it, Not as yeah, good. It, absolute, Not as good. it was absolutely the law of diminishing returns, just like Gargano uh, Ciampa was the previous year. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was the best of the three. I mean, that, that was a very good show. There's no disputing. It probably was the best TakeOver of the year. I just um, – it's kind of funny because, like, I remembered Gargano Cole, but I – and, and I remembered Walter Pete Dunn, but I didn't remember what the other matches were mm -hmm. until I looked at it. See, and that's kind of my problem with uh, Double or Nothing. Is it Double or Nothing or All or Yeah, yeah Double or Nothing. Double or Nothing. Mm -hmm. I, I can only really remember three matches, so it's kind of the same deal with you guys and or with Kyle and TakeOver New York. So it um, had I two really good matches. It had Cody and Dustin and then the Bucks and Lucha Bros. Both, both of those matches were incredible, I thought. Mm -hmm. Jarek and Omega was okay. I didn't think it was as good as Meltzer scored it. He gave it four and a quarter. Uh, maybe four, three and three quarters, somewhere in there. There's a, there, there, I sense a theme with some yeah. of these star ratings, by the way. Um, he also he gave SCU and Stronghearts, uh, the six-man tag that opened the show, four stars. It was a pretty good match, too, as I recall. But I, I felt like that was a show where there was two matches I would go back to, whereas TakeOver New York had more than two that were great i thought I, but I guess it, did, like, it did have a buzz though because it was the yeah. first show under the AEW banner 
Yeah, I mean, I guess like for me, like best show it means more than just adding up stars. Yeah, it's you know what like is there some sort of larger um, narrative in play because of this show? And you know that show, you know there was so much buzz going in, and it like how many things live up to the hype in this day and age? Not many. And you know the buzz coming out of that show, like I was fired up after that show like i wanted to talk to people about that show i had a great time watching that show i i didn't feel like i you know had one foot in the grave or that i was in a coma after watching it um th that you know for me i think is what puts it over the edge that's a pretty good point i might have to change my answer even though like i, I prefer the wrestling just the matches I, there there was that special buzz around double or nothing I'm not changing my vote, but I agree. <laughs> go, um, I, yeah, go, I, ahead. go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, if, if you go back and you listen to our preview show in the archives for Double or Nothing, and we talked a lot about how they had a ton of pressure going into that show, and they definitely succeeded. And that's a, that's a tough situation to be in, and they hit it out of the park. And, like, the Moxley debut. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, as far as, like, starring, I mean, that's for the match of the year, which we're going to get to, I know. Mm -hmm. Um. Real quick, I just want to give an honorable mention to NXT UK. Was it Cardiff? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I thought that was a really good show, too. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that we'll be coming back to that one as well. Yes. Uh, you guys want to go to our our men's and women's next and do match of the year at the end, or you want to do match of the year next? Yeah, it seems like we've kind of like been <laughs> talking about matches. We might. I think we should do that one. Okay. Uh, by the way, great comment from Gabe in the chat. He says, speaking of pay-per-views, are we going to get to see Southpaw's lethal leap year since we're coming up on an actual leap year? <laughs> Southpaw, Southpaw Regional Wrestling. Great, yes. great comment. All right, match of the year. Uh, there's tons of great matches. Again, NXT's been full of them this year. New Japan's had a ton of them as well. Um, and so as we look at what I threw out there in the Twitter votes and honestly this one had the least amount of votes of all of the polls which i think was maybe because people couldn't decide because we had like over 200 votes in some of these polls but this one here 91 votes um uh, and we've got cole Gargan Ooh. gargano from takeover new york winning with 52 percent uh, uh cody Jesus. dustin cody dustin has 22 percent walter tyler Bate from nxt cardiff has 16 and a half percent and Will Ospreay and Kazuchika Okada from the G1 has 8.8%. All right. I'll go first here. For me, and this is how I voted in our comicbook.com match of the year voting, it's Cody Dustin. That is my match of the year. And Justin and I talked about this the other night. The reason I picked that one, although I do think maybe, like, for example, Osprey and Okada or Osprey and Shingo or Osprey and Ubushi might be better matches between the ropes i felt like cody dustin had the best emotion added in with everything you add in the blood you add in the storyline the fact that they're brothers you know the uh the fact that it was double or nothing the first AEW pay-per-view the first AEW show in general that's that's one of the only matches this year that i watched multiple times and i think i watched it three times and uh for me, that's the one that just really stuck with me all year. It had the entire total package, the entrances with Cody smashing the throne and all that. I, I think, for me, Cody Dustin 
is the match of the year. Go ahead, Justin. Oh, boy, I really want to say the same thing. Because um, f- for me, there was only two matches this year that gave me the feels. And it was that one, and it was Kofi Bryan from WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, thinking about it today, I, I really wanted to go with that one. Because that one really got me. Um, because I'm becoming a huge freaking softy in my old age. Walter Bate would be my answer if it was 15 minutes shorter. I mean, just like part of, for me, part of being a match of the year is you got to be rewatchable. And there's just no, I don't want to fire that matchup because I got to set aside damn near an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm actually going to, because I don't have access of rewatching Cody Dustin, I only saw it the one time. I'm going to go with Kofi and Brian from WrestleMania. That would be my WWE main roster match of the year, no question. Yes, yeah. for sure. And they, and you know, give them credit. You know, we kind of mock WWE list sometimes. They said that was their. I think. Well, I think they encompassed all WWE and NXT in their list. WWE had. I think it was. What was it on dot com or was it on the network or something? On the network, they, but they didn't. They didn't have UK on there. Which was well, kind of mind blowing, but yeah, but well, whatever. They probably forgot about it. But yeah, I mean, I thought that was the best main roster match for sure of the year. Um, so I would not have that Cole Gargano match like even in my top twenty-five. Wow, like maybe even like top 30, 35. Like it's like I, I didn't even think it was a match of the year contender. I just I get that a lot of people liked it, but you can check the. Uh, archives i just i don't know i had a lot of problems and, and like moro ranallo is the absolute dirt worst person to call a match like that too it just i just i just felt like i was watching a match put on by two people who are really good at a video game with soundtrack commentary i get that a lot of people liked it and maybe just because how annoyed i got by the subsequent versions of it it taints the original but for me, that, that that would not be um, a contender for me. Um, Cody Dustin, not going to argue with it. It's my number two um, match. Um, Walter and Bate got referenced. Uh, that's number three. Uh, two matches that were not on our poll that I'm going to bring up was Jordan Devlin, David Starr. That's number four. From OTT's fifth anniversary show, which, by the way, you can now watch for free. Uh, I can, we can maybe send that link out or something like that. I'll send it to you guys, and you can retweet it. But that's for Set free, and everybody YouTube. Uh, yes, they, 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 you can watch it for free. Um, but my pick is Will Ospreay and Shingo Takagi. It's not a bad pick. Um, we had we had a lot of talk about this on the comic book staff because I said there's like four Will Osprey matches you could have on on our list for voting. We had a ballot. I think that's going to be published this year with all the wrestling awards. Like the whole staff from comicbook.com voted on it, and they had the Okada one on there. So I I put that Okada one on our poll, but that actually wasn't my favorite Will Osprey match. And I'm gonna have a whole lot more to say about Will Osprey in a minute. But yes, that is a that is a damn good match. I I can't argue with that one at all. So, all right. Closing comments before we move on, because I think that's pretty well set. No? No. no. There were a lot. I, I mean, it's, look, there, there was a ton of great matches, as much as I bag on star ratings, 
and think people have lost their minds when it comes to rating matches, Meltzer in particular. Um, there is, I mean, the depth of great wrestling in 2019. Um, if there is one positive you want to say about wrestling, it's that. Just the, de- the, the There has never been a time where there's just more good matches. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why it's hard to come up with a list like this or even just like a, a list to recommend of matches to watch from the last 10 years because there's so many good matches. You know, we, we all love wrestling from the 80s and 90s, and it's a lot easier to come up with those must-watch lists, though, because just the amount of great matches, there wasn't as many. So the ones that were really great really, really stand out, and they just stick in your mind. And I think it's it's a lot harder now because there's just so many good matches. There probably were not, and this will if you're, like, young, this will blow your mind away, there were probably not four four-star matches in 1988 WWF. No. Yeah. <laughs> and they're probably, and, and whatever, like, their best matches probably was, like, four stars. Yeah. Yep. Like, I'm trying to think, like, the Tag Team Survivor Series match or, like, Savage DiBiase in a cage. Other than that, I don't know if there was a single four-star match at the promotion the rest of the year. But, yeah. but hey, the, there were there were big biceps and back acne, so we yeah, had there, that. There was a lot, yeah. And, and you know what, though? There were stars. There, was a lot, there were stars. Yeah. And they had good story. They had the best story they ever told. Yep. Um, this one, all right, let's, let's go into the, the performers of the year. And, uh, I don't think I even have this on our agenda. I forgot to put it on there, but tag team of the year, we got to throw out tag team of the year. Um, on the Twitter page, this has 148 votes and taking it home right now is the undisputed era with 54% Lucha bros following it up with 19.6 revival, 13 and a half young bucks, 12. 12.2%. 12.2%. And I would agree with the masses. I, I would have to go with the undisputed era here. Let me throw it to Kyle first this time. Yes. Well, and I, I just, uh, I'll just mention one thing. I like the Roddy strong Kyle O'Reilly version of the team better. I would agree actually with that as well. Justin. Dark order. <laughs> what, what a fucking beauty. <laughs> <laughs> the best punch worked punches of 2019 goes oh, to just bizarre that they would end that show with them. Yeah. That's that was... one. That's certainly one choice of words. Bizarre. I would call it shitty. <laughs> I do. I do like the fan theory that that was on purpose because, uh, Dustin is going to be revealed as the leader of the dark order. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I could see it. One way out of it. Yeah. Make it more interesting, that's for sure. One way out. I do want to say, I've talked about this with a few different people, and I've I've had some people say the Lucha Bros, and I can see why people would argue that, you know, because they've had success in AAA and AEW. I can't go with the Lucha Bros, though. I think Ray Phoenix is freaking awesome right now. I feel like Penta has taken a step back, and you see that when you see him wrestle singles matches. And I say that as someone who really loves Penta as well, because I'm looking at a uh, what is it, a pro wrestling one hour tease. Their uh, little figures they make. Well, last time I was in Chicago, uh, I picked up a Penta one, but yeah, I just I, I can't go with them just because they have taken a step back. They had some good matches, like we said, the Young Bucks match at Double or Nothing. But man, Undisputed Era as a tag team has been awesome this year, and I would agree. I like the strong O'Reilly combo the most. Bobby Fish isn't bad though. So, 
Um, but we're, yeah, pretty much all on the same page there. So let's throw it to Women's Wrestler of the Year next. And uh, let me find the poll here. I know last I looked, yes, Becky Lynch is winning 47%. This is out of 198 votes. Rhea Ripley at 25%. Shayna Baszler at 17%. Io Shirai at 9.5%. And I did have some people comment and throw out Tessa Blanchard as well. I do think Tessa Blanchard is awesome. I just don't watch a lot of Impact. Um, I'd have to go with Becky Lynch just of the, not necessarily for the match quality, just just the year she's had as far as being the face of the women's division. Uh, obviously, the WrestleMania moment, the Royal Rumble moment. I, I've got to go with Becky Lynch. Who would you say, Justin? It, for me, it's a, it's a landslide, Shayna Baszler. You know, she has the accomplishment of holding the title for the majority of the year. Um, and unlike Becky Lynch, you know, she's putting on great matches, you know, almost week after week. Um, Becky Lynch just hasn't done much for me since, I mean, match-wise, damn near since uh, Royal Rumble against Asuka. Because um, the main event at WrestleMania was a bit of a fiasco. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Shannon Baszler. Okay, Kyle? Um, it, it's Becky. You know, Becky Lynch is the closest thing they have to a well-booked champion on the main roster in a long time. Like they're you, like the people are behind her, the office is behind her. You don't get that very often. It's her year. Um, I get that you could say people had better in ring years. Um, Maybe you think Becky did not live up to what you wanted it to be at the start of the year. But no, for me, it's Becky Lynch. Agree. And I think there's a lot of women's wrestlers that have had better years in the ring. In fact, I just looked it up. Becky's only had one match all year graded four stars or above in the Observer Newsletter. That was the Hell in a Cell match against Sasha Banks. Exactly four stars. Otherwise... Nothing for or above her Royal Rumble match with Asuka was three and three quarters. Um, the Rumble itself, three and a quarter. And you have to go back to TLC 2018, so just over a year ago, and her match with Charlotte and Asuka had four and a half stars. Then she also had that great match with Charlotte at Evolution with four and three quarter stars. But yeah, 2019 has not been her best in-ring year, but... Uh, it's, to me, it's just more symbolic. She's done. She's been in a position that I don't think any women's wrestler ever has been. So I, I just kind of have to go with her by default. But overrated. <laughs> I wouldn't even call her overrated. I just I don't know that she's been in the situation after the great matches. She obviously can. She's done it in the past. But yeah, it hasn't been her best in ring year. Not even close. In fact, she's taking a step back in that regard. Okay. I, mean, I just think. You know, they haven't taken the title off of her. That's the, her big accomplishment for the year. Yeah. And what's, I, the I, mem- what's the memorable promo or angle or story? I mean, just, there's just nothing just there the for me. I, I think it's pretty much yeah. just her first few months uh, of the year. I think the fact, you know, it's I, as I digest what Justin just said, I think it's a good question. The fact that I don't see it as a problem that they haven't taken the title off of her. And this is someone who's actually on TV every week. I think that's an accomplishment unto itself. I mean, think about it. Brock Lesnar's like on 
is sporadically on TV, and you're dying for this guy to like lose the title. Becky Lynch is on TV every week, and I have zero issue whatsoever with the fact that she's been the champion since WrestleMania. That's no, actually I, a pretty big I, accomplishment in 2019. But the difference is, is that there are a lot of intriguing options to hold the title when you're talking about Brock Lesnar, where, you know, Becky Lynch, there's not a whole lot there. I mean, you just put it back on Charlotte or Sasha That's Banks. a good point. That, that's a good point. That's a good point. There, there really hasn't been, um, in terms of her programs, like, oh, she, like the Sasha one was the one I think we all kind of maybe thought she was going to lose. Um, but you're right. Other than that, I don't think there's been a justifiable spot for her to lose. Hey, and, you know, I, I've, what... I've, I've called for her to lose the title multiple times this year for this very reason, because I said she was getting stale. You, all you have to do is listen to our shows before SummerSlam, where I was actually calling for her to lose to Natty for just yeah, a brief period of time to heat her up because the show was in Canada. They actually made Natty seem like a legit threat for a couple of weeks. And like, dude, where's my car? What were you smoking? Oh, no, I actually I'll stand by it. I still don't think that would have been a bad decision. Because you could have at least made Becky interesting again for a month or two. Whereas, yes, she, like Justin said, I agree. She did kind of flame out and she didn't have anything really going for her. And it wasn't like Natty would be a long term champion or anything, but, you know, they could have a decent match. It was in Canada. You know, there's some symbolism there with Natty. And I I definitely think Sasha Banks, too, was was a time to, to switch it, as you alluded to. Sasha was the only, I thought, compelling challenger she had all year. Well, that's the problem. I don't think the problem with Becky's title reign is necessarily on her. I just think they haven't had compelling challengers for her. Mm-hmm. Now, that's different from Shayna because Shayna has had compelling challenges. Yes. And I, I would actually say Shayna's been kind of boring this year, too. I think she's a good worker, too, and has been great in the past. But, you know, you talk about someone just having the title and not dropping it. There's another example. I thought they should have made that move before they did as well. And if I'm looking at the people on the list, to me, Ripley, obviously, Io Shirai, I think they've both been way more interesting this year than Shayna Baszler. It's funny because going back to Justin's point about, well, who does Becky drop it to? You know, talking about the length of her title one. The NXT women's division actually felt deeper than the Raw or SmackDown mm-hmm. versions. You know, it felt like there were other options. I personally believe, if we're just, you know, talking big picture, maybe things we would have redone differently, Shayna Baszler should have been Becky's first challenger coming off Mania, building off that Rousey feud as Rousey's friend. Um, that's the direction I would have gone. And I think she would have been much better in that spot than Lacey Evans was when it was someone, here's a new character who gets introduced and the people really weren't buying it. And then she loses, um, doesn't look that great in the process. I mean, Lacey Evans has improved since then, but I think um, that's just not a a way of booking that I agree with when you bring someone in and their first program is losing a title program. I, I do not. I just fundamentally disagree with that. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you there. Now people are going to say, well, what would you have done with Shayna? Well, I don't know. To me, I, I think that would have made a lot more sense because if you listen to the, you know, hullabaloo that they that they view Lacey Evans as kind of this potential big star long term, whereas I, they probably, you know, Vince probably doesn't with Shayna Baszler. Mm-hmm. I would have cashed in on Shayna um, at an opportune time. Yeah. 
All right, before we get to men's wrestler of the year, I want to say again, in case anyone is joining us right now that wasn't here at the beginning of the show, this is an entirely new format for us here streaming on YouTube. If you are listening to the podcast version, join us next week. Subscribe to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash top rope nation. You can be here live with us in the chat. We'll call out your comments like we've been doing tonight with some of um, some of the people here in our chat room. And if you are here and you're not already subscribed to the channel, hit that subscribe button and see what happens on the video feed. Check the video description if you want to leave us a tip on this show that will also have an effect on the video. Hey, maybe you want to buy Kyle Ross a beer and I can Venmo him the money tonight. Leave us a tip. The link is in the video description. See what happens there as well. All right. Men's Wrestler of the Year. Now, a lot of discussion happening in the Twitter sphere on this in recent days, at least what I'm seeing on my news feed. And to me, it's actually not that close. But uh, let's see what our followers thought here on Twitter. All right. 157 votes. Adam Cole winning with 55% of the vote. Followed by Will Ospreay with about 20%. John Moxley, who won the Sports Illustrated Wrestler of the Year, 14.6%, and then Cody Rhodes at 10%. So for me, it's no question Will Ospreay. Like, end of story. I, I don't see I can give it to anyone but Will Ospreay. But uh, Justin, go to you. Tyson Fury? <laughs> yes. I want oh, that full bag. I want that full bag of goods, Kane Velasquez, that Vince got sold. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, look, if you're just talking in ring, I mean, yeah, nobody had a better year than Will Ospreay. Uh, that's not really enough for me. And plus, I don't watch a whole lot of New Japan. Um, I think the person who possibly did the most for their career, both in the ring and outside of it with promos, um, is Barnon Cody. I, I think he leveled up in a way that nobody else did. I mean, we already knew Will Ospreay could have great matches. That is no surprise. Uh, same with Adam Cole. I mean, he is awesome at hitting his finisher 15 times a match. Um, John Moxley's the one I don't really get. He hasn't done a whole lot for me. Um, he still kind of feels like Dean Ambrose, maybe PG-13 version. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go Cody. I mean, he put on an all-time classic with his brother and – He's cut some really great promos. Yeah. Like I said, to me, it's Osprey going away, but I can, I can see an argument for Cody. Kyle? Cody is consistently the best part of AEW yes. and his angles. They just they just have the most thought and put into them, and, and they're the best. But no, I'm with you. It's Will Osprey. Certainly the best in ring year. Um, you know, I, I just don't think Cody who does carry himself like a star. I, I don't think he had a big enough star-making year to overcome Osprey's in-ring year. I mean, th- this was one of the great in-ring years ever. And again, a lot of it is just, there's just so much wrestling now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so much wrestling that's accessible uh, now. You know, I mean, God knows what Ric Flair was doing, you know, random Fridays in Greensboro in 89 that we don't have footage of. But, you know, I mean, to me, Will Ospreay is the correct choice here. Yeah, and I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Justin. I was just going to throw out another name. So if you wanted to 
uh, go on with Will Ospreay. Yeah, I was I was just gonna say you're right. We did know Osprey could have great matches. All you have to do is go back to that best of the Super Juniors match with Ricochet three and a half years ago, I think it was. Um, but he has just been on a different level. Yeah. I, I I've seen very few wrestlers that have had so many great matches, especially like in a short period of time. We talked about this, Justin and I, when we were out the other night. And I said, you know, there's so much WWE product, it's hard to just pick out the matches. And yes, there are a lot of great matches on WWE. But when I think of Will Ospreay's year, like I, we were just sitting there at the bar and I just called them out. Like the events they were on, the month they were in, like they just really, really stand out. And you look at the specifically the June and July that Will Ospreay had this year. I mean, just freaking insane this guy has been at like four to five star matches pretty much all year he had that sh- that match with shingo on june 5th that was five and three quarters in the observer four days later he had a match with dragon lee at uh, dominion which was given five stars in the observer and then you fast forward about a month july 18th he had the match with kota ibushi which was Maybe my favorite match of his this year, that or Shingo probably. That was five stars. That was July 18th. Two days later, he had that match with Okada. Both of these were G1 tournament matches. Uh, five and three-quarter stars. Man, I I just can't think of anyone I've ever seen following wrestling that had that level of matches like that close together. And then he just, you scroll up the list. I mean, four and three cart, four and three quarters, four and a half stars, just like, constantly yeah. you know so. i'm not using i'm not using Meltzer snowflakes well just, i mean i'm I, not I, saying i agree with yeah. all those ratings but it, it it does show a trend that the guy has been at just a yeah you're right no matter what you want to rate him they, they were all very good and you know the thing is too yeah he's always been a great wrestler but he felt better this year mm-hmm. he felt better like he just feels like a guy who is in complete control of what he wants to do um and, and is just performing kind of at this peak level yeah um, you know, and, and you know, and, and I just didn't feel like you know how many times do you hear about a match? People are like you know, jizzing themselves over some match. Eh, whatever, maybe you're not supposed to say that and edit that out. But regardless, you know, and it winds up it's overrated. Like these Osprey matches, you'd watch them and you're like, no, that that was that was really good. That was really freaking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't watch a lot of New Japan anymore either. Not as much as I did when. Kenny was over there, the Bucks, for example. But all of those big-time Osprey matches I made a point to watch. And if you guys haven't seen them, they're readily available online. Or, of course, you can subscribe to New Japan World. But, man. This guy's just, yeah, <laughs> that's where you can find them. Um, you know, but, yeah, I'm, what a year. Go ahead, Justin. I am kind of pissed right now, Ryan. You know, Friday night, I brought over for you to try some... 18 year old single malt scotch and in return you made me watch smackdown instead of firing up new japan world <laughs> I, and showing hey, me some of these will osprey <laughs> i was contractually obligated to cover smackdown for comicbook.com i didn't want to but i had to do it <laughs> sometimes you got to break the rules uh, i'll have you back um, and we can watch some of these yet so the the only, the only other name I wanted to throw out there, and also because uh, it goes back to best theme music, which would be in my top three, is Walter. I think okay. both in the ring, as a champion, uh, theme music, Imperium, the group, all great stuff. Yeah. Gabe in the chat room said, I'm torn between 
Bray Wyatt and Chris Jericho. He says, Bray is the only thing keeping my interest in the main roster. Chris Jericho continues to adapt and entertain. He's funny, a prick, and puts on a good match. I do agree Jericho's had a great year, at least from a character standpoint. He's been incredibly entertaining. And Bray was probably the most interesting thing the second half of the year on WWE. I think he's lost a ton of steam in recent weeks, though. But, uh, I mean, from August through September and early fall, there was nothing else interesting in WWE other than Bray Wyatt. Yeah, although unfortunately we're kind of seeing the WWE TV effect with him. Yep. The more they sink their paws into something, kind of the worse it gets. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, there's our picks for Men's Wrestler of the Year. Two of us with Will Ospreay, one of us for Cody Rhodes. Okay, so I think that pretty much wraps up our categories that we had set for the night. Um, I did want to kind of look at this from a podcast perspective, though, as well. And we look back at the year we've had here in 2019. I know that we have taken, you know, the last month or so off. But overall, we put out a ton of content this year, whether it was on our our regular feed here, on the podcast feeds, um, or over on Patreon, where we had several bonus shows. So those are fair game as well. I know only a portion of our listeners have heard them, but hey, they're Top Rope Nation episodes, Top Rope Nation classics. Uh, But do you guys have a favorite show that really stands out for you here from 2019. I'm, I'm scrolling down the list, looking at them here for me to see just how many podcasts we've produced in 2019. And it looks like on our main feed, we've had, uh, 53 episodes that includes some of the Patreon shows as well. So at least 53 episodes, uh, Kyle, you said you knew yours right away. What is it? The WrestleMania preview show. Okay. Yes, that would. By be... the way, I we're so just spoiler alert. We're recording this on a Monday night, and I just looked at Twitter and like I actually really want to watch the ending of Raw because uh-huh. my God, the feedback on this wedding angle is very divisive. <laughs> wow. I mean, like as divisive as anything I've ever read. Really? Yes. I mean, there are people who like are like, oh my God, I enjoy that so much, and there are people saying. It was the worst thing on Raw since Katie Vick. Oh, oh that's, so, that's a low bar. Something uh, something tells me the answer will be somewhere in the middle. Wow. Um, so the one you mentioned, episode 91, back on April 4th, 2019. That is Kyle's favorite, the WrestleMania preview show, hour and 46 minutes. Justin, do you have a favorite? Uh, I really enjoyed our Mount Rushmore of tag team specialists. Yes, that one stands out for me too mm-hmm. when I was thinking about it. Ass man, and our in <laughs> <laughs> our, our top rope nation classics, I really liked it. Um, in particular, you can get you know, listen if you sign up at patreon.com. I think the two best were Super Bowl two and the first Monday Nitro. Yes, those are great shows. There's a if you want to check out a preview of those on our main podcast feed. You can find like the first 10 to 15 minutes of them. And then, as Kyle mentioned, sign up at patreon.com slash top rope nation to hear the whole thing. Uh, Justin's Wrestling's Mount Rushmore of Tag Team Specialist. That was our 4th of July episode, episode 105. Check that out in the archives, an hour and 16 minutes, a really good listen. Um, 
We've also we also had some fun guests this year. We had uh, Chris Van Vliet, who's with uh, AEW now. He was on the show early in the year. That was a fun show. We had Andrew Zarian from the Mat Men podcast. I had a lot of fun with that one. I had been wanting to get him on the show for a long, long time. Um, I think I might have to go with episode 117 back from September 27th. That was our Mount Rushmore of Hell in a Cell matches. I thought that was a really good show as well. That was uh, an hour and mm-hmm. 27 minutes. So I think these are all really good choices. So guys, uh, you know, between now and next week when you don't have any new content from us, if you haven't heard those, definitely worth checking out in the archives. I also I liked our uh, History of Wrestling video games that we had with Okadrian from Twitch as well. Mm-hmm. That was episode 120 back on uh, October 30th. That was also a really good listen as well. Uh, Gabe says, love that Sid Vicious episode. Yes. (laughs) Late summer. Sid Vicious was supposed to be on the... I suppose I could reach out and still try to make that happen. But uh, as we found out, all the stories about Sid Vicious and no-showing WWE shows and getting fired for that and all that. Well, there is a vein of truth to that because we had a hard, hard time getting Sid Vicious on the podcast. In fact... There is a, a show that me and Kyle did. I can't remember which episode that is, but uh, that night we were supposed to we were supposed to interview Sid, and we had him on the phone, and he couldn't do it. And so we put a show together just on the fly. We had nothing planned other than the Sid interview. We still have all those questions ready for him if we ever bring him on the podcast. But uh, it's episode one eleven. Get out there and fill some time. August sixteenth. <laughs> Did you forget the, the scissors, Sid? Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, but uh, it might still happen. Who knows? We'll see. I'll reach out to him. It's been a while. I do. I do have Sid Vicious's number in my cell phone. Maybe I will uh, send him a text tomorrow for New Year's Eve. <laughs> we'll see. Okay, uh, Kyle. I didn't. I didn't really ask you in advance, but did you do a deep dive of the week for this week or no? Yeah. So it's funny. I just saw your text that you texted me. Um, the answer is yes. Okay. Um, actually, I was gonna just bring a match up randomly. I totally forgot about the deep dive gimmick, but there was a match that I watched last night that I wanted to bring up, and it fits perfectly. So, shame on me. It's been so long, I forgot that I always have to come up with a deep dive. Now, um, I've got one for you, though. It just looks so. Um, people were recommending this on Twitter. Decided to check it out. Don't think it's going to make anyone's match the year contender list, but it's a very, very good TV match, and it involves someone who I think uh, we all had his match with Walter. Uh, among our match of the year contenders, uh, Tyler Bate against Cassius Ono from NXT UK uh, from last month. I cannot remember the exact date, but it's in the description. I think it was like November 16th was the episode date. Really good match. Ono is just so criminally underrated. What a beauty this guy is. I don't think, yeah, I have not seen that one either. I'll definitely be checking that out. Have you seen that one, Justin? I have not. I'm looking at his uh, cage match listing here to see the exact date on the match. Let's see. This would have been, let's see, Walter and Ono. Um, I see they wrestled at uh, Evolve in September. You said Walter Cash's Ono? No, Ono Tyler Bate. Oh, Ono Tyler Bate. Okay. Uh, Let's see. This was, yeah, NXT UK number 68, taped on October 5th. That sound right? 
Uh, yeah, but it, I mean, it aired in November. Yeah, I, I definitely I think they, it just like NXT used to do. They tape a lot together. Yeah, so that yeah, but sense. yeah, it definitely aired in November. In November, I think it was 16th, maybe for some reason the number, and that was in my head. Uh, but, uh, broadcast date November 14th. There you go. 14th. Okay, yep. so there you go. So yeah, it was really, really good. Really well worked. Yep. Good big man, little man match. All right, very nice. You guys have any big plans for New Year's Eve tomorrow night? No. I know we all have kids, so it's a different I world know. these days. I know. It ruined it. My, and my parents are like, <laughs> they still want to go out on New Year's Eve. So mm. they're kind of wouldn't. Last year we were lucky and, and stumbled into a sitter, but uh, that's not going to happen this year. And with it, honestly, with it being such a busy time of year for my work, um, I kind of relish actually not going out on New Year's Eve night. Yeah. Mr. Joint? Uh, I'll probably uh, get a fire going in the fireplace, play some cards, and drink either scotch or wine. Some of that fancy scotch you picked up over the holidays? I think so. Oh, yeah. I think so. Only a little bit left. Yeah. I might just binge a bunch of Kyle Ross's deep dives of the week from the last few months that I haven't checked out yet. Sounds like a good time to me. I don't I don't have anything planned. It usually turns out to me in my basement watching TV these days, so... <laughs> Yeah, maybe drink a little bit of the bubbly, as Gabe says. Oh. There we go. Bringing it full circle. All right, guys. Well, hey, this is our Wrestling Awards of 2019. If you agree or disagree, send us an email, topropenation at gmail.com. We can read those on the air next week. Tweet us, of course, at Top Rope Nation. If you're on YouTube, leave us a comment here and let us know. Of course, subscribe on YouTube and wherever podcasts are found. We're going to be doing these live streams of the show as we record them each and every week now moving forward. So if you don't want to miss it and you want to be in the chat room next week, make sure you head on over to youtube.com slash top rope nation. And we'll be here each and every week looking to grow the audience. And I did want to issue a challenge to our listeners. I talk a lot about leaving us ratings, leaving us reviews, all that helps. But the easiest way, the best way for us to grow our audience is by word of mouth. If you guys recommend our show to someone that likes wrestling, they're going to trust you. I'd like to issue a challenge to every listener at Top Rope Nation to go ahead and recommend us to at least one of your friends over the next week. We'd like to see those downloads spike. It'd be great to get in front of some new ears and get some new people listening to Top Rope Nation and especially joining us for these live feeds here on YouTube. All right, so with that said, I'd also like to throw a shout-out to our producers. These are the patrons of the show. They do the most for us to help support the growth of Top Rope Nation. So thank you very much, and a happy new year to Derek, Gabe, Jake, Kyle, Tim, Liam, Ryan, and Sean. You guys help us so much with your support. We are very appreciative of that. We'll be putting out some new content for you exclusively at patreon.com slash Nation very soon. And with that said, what I wanted to do to ring in the new year is to throw it to one of my favorite musicians of all time, Mr. Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band to play in 2020 for you. Enjoy.